This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Howdy, friends. Jeff Hunt, chief wagon boss of this operation. It's it's hard to be a conservative in Colorado right now. We're trying to figure out what is going on. And I think part of the challenge that we faced over this last few days in the election, and a reminder, we are not in the business of getting anybody elected or supporting or or opposing any candidate or campaign. But uh, we look at this last election and we just can't try to, f- we can't figure it out. One, the ballot initiatives in Colorado don't make any sense. You had, in some cases, we're gonna support psychedelic mushrooms, but then we're gonna reject alcohol delivery. So that I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around what was the logic that pulled that together. And in another case, we supported tax increases and then we supported tax decreases um, on the same ballot. And, and then you had a, a blue wave in the midst of what should have been a red year. And it, 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 we're all trying to piece it together. And I think part of, of, of what's critical to understand is that there's a worldview difference that takes place. So historically, if there's problems in the state, you have crime, you have homelessness, you have drug overdoses taking place, and those didn't happen previously, well, then there's a problem in leadership and we need to change the leadership. I think that's a vast majority of conservatives in the state of Colorado. We're expecting that. There are problems in the state. We need a change in leadership. Now, we may not get all the change we want. You may not have all statewide candidates in, on your party win, but maybe the state Senate goes into a different hand. So there's a balance in government. That didn't happen. It went the same direction it's been going at even a stronger pace. And so people were like, well, what, what's the deal? The, the deal is worldview, that the voters of Colorado felt like those in party right now in power have a better worldview alignment with what they view. And Colorado is going a very unique direction. I think one of the biggest stories that hasn't taken place yet that we're just starting to discover is that red states are getting more red and blue states are getting more blue. There is a division in worldview at the basis of that. That if you want kind of a limited government, strong family approach, religious communities, you are going to red states. I know plenty of people who have moved to Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, South Dakota. They want to live in those states. The same thing's happening in our state. For the last 10 years, we've built policies that have invited people with a certain worldview into the state. That worldview is I want to be able to smoke pot if I want to. I want to be able to take psychedelic mushrooms if I want to. If I end up with an unintended pregnancy, I want to have the right to be able to abort that child. I want to be able to kind of live a free license-like life without the restrictions, the religious restrictions on my life. And I just want to be able to pursue that. And that has, over the last 10 years, drawn people and it's continuing to draw people. That's a worldview difference. So uh, we're talking with John Stone Street. He's the president of the Colson Center and a Breakpoint radio co-host. John... Where does this go? Does this just continue to devolve? If you're a conservative in this state, in Colorado, where a majority of the people that live here do not share your worldview, they do not want people with strong biblical values writing the laws of this state. They've made that very clear. Where does this go? What does this look like in the next few years? Well, you know, that's a great question. I mean, it, it, it is kind of a zero-sum game if you uh, think that individual radicalized freedom is, the, you know, what it means to live a good life and that the state's job is to ensure that. The irony is, is the state has to get bigger. The state has to get more intrusive. 
the state has to get more demanding in order to ensure, you know, that sort of quote unquote individualistic freedom and the and, and a Christian framing of things gets in gets in the way of that. And so increasingly, I think, and we, we heard, I think, more of that rhetoric this time around than before. It's not just that, oh, we disagree, and I think you're wrong, and here's why I think you're wrong. We've now moved into a, a place where those who restrict individual freedoms are the evil ones. Um, and when you can label another side evil, uh, then it becomes a, and you have that sort of political power. It becomes something that that becomes, you know, it gets really difficult uh, to 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 live a free life. I mean, just ask Jack Phillips, right? I mean, it's, it, it, you know, Jack's decision to not bake the cake has turned from, um, you know, his right to do that as a private business owner to actually a harm, an active harm that he committed against other people, which of course is absurd, especially because cakes are available from all kinds of other places in Denver. But but you hear that sort of language not only come from uh, Jack Phillips' opponents, but also from government officials, from the civil rights group, from uh, our uh, governor. Um, and so, you know, again, this reflects worldview. It's not just, oh, I think people have the right to believe what they want, and we want to ensure that. You have to have... Uh, basically an increased tyranny to demand this new way of, of thinking. And and we're going to see that, I think, on the social issues um, in Colorado. It's going to be more and more and more difficult uh, to operate independently. I mean, I know, I, I know, you know, especially if you're an institution like Focus on the Family or Colorado Christian University or the Colson Center in Colorado, we've got to be watching this really, really carefully um, in terms of what are we being co-opted into and, and what do we have you know, still the freedom to do. Uh, we're a, a good hair. Uh, uh, I, I got the wrong word on that. Uh, harbinger. That's the right word I was looking at. Harbinger to come was a Denver Post article that that came out just uh, this week on the Archdiocese of Denver. And the, what the Archdiocese of Denver had sought to do was through theological reflection, provide guidance to all the Christian or the Catholic schools in their archdiocese on transgenderism, human sexuality, what do we do, how do we respond to that as schools, and a 17-page document. If you read it, there is nothing controversial or horrible about this document. It is traditional Christian teaching that says we believe in a traditional Christian worldview when it comes to human sexuality, about uh, marriage, about gender identity, all that stuff, and but there's practical realities. This has to play itself out in practical realities. And so the, the archdiocese says that if you have a family, a student and a family, that reject the church's teachings on gender ideology, they are fully into the transgender worldview. They will not entertain guidance or correction from church leadership on this. You shouldn't enroll them in the school because it's going to have detrimental effect on the kids around them. And we are responsible for making sure that these kids have a quality education. Now, if the kids are open or the family is open to the church teaching, and they're just kind of confused, and, well, then it's up to the church to make those determinations. The treatment of the Archdiocese of Denver by the Denver Post ought to be described as anti-Christian bigotry, because mm -hmm. they just lay out the most vicious attacks and determine that, basically, adhering to traditional, historical Christian teachings on gender ideology— is somehow hateful, bigoted, and ought to be 
called out and confronted. And I even engaged with members of the Denver Post on this. I mean, they believe they're on a moral mission to change the Catholic Church. And when I challenged them as to how they determine what teachings of the Catholic Church need to be challenged and what don't, they had no answer other than their own personal perspective. I mean, that's yeah, it, right? right? It's their own personal perspective that determines, well, I think you're wrong. And, and, and so I said, you believe that you have a true understanding of the Catholic Church. You do. You, your worldview is the true teachings of what the Catholic Church should be. And they couldn't respond to it. They, they, they don't even realize. They're kind of like fish swimming in the water, John, that, that, that they don't even realize they're wet. That their own personal biases, uh, you know, spin everything. And then they take it into the pages of the Denver Post. It was the number one article read by the Denver Post this week. Wow. And, and that's, that, that's the challenge that's coming to us. This is not a—and Hazoni gets into this, too. This is not a classical liberal worldview of live and let live, and you have your faith, and I just disagree with you. No, no, no. You, like you said, John, these are—the the traditional Christian ideas are ideas to be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and you know, many people saw, saw this. They predicted it. Um, you know, Pope Benedict talked about relativism, which, of course, is this idea that everyone should just believe what they want, and we need to be tolerant of each other and that sort of thing, and that it would devolve into a dictatorship of relativism. Like, you have to believe that about everyone, and if you actually believe in absolutes, then you become the bad guy and you become intolerant and so on. What, what is astonishing, though, is... Uh, how quickly on the sexual sexuality issue, and, and this has way more to do with the rest of culture than it does particularly the political process, but especially the takeover of the press, the takeover of education, the takeover of the arts, but how quickly that sort of posture towards traditional belief, and I say traditional belief, I mean, in a sense, the idea that there are men and women, this, this isn't culturally traditional. This is what everybody's always believed because everyone has eyes and can see the distinction bodily between men and women. Um, you know, but, but now to actually observe reality and say that there's something to this, you know, there's something to this that we need to kind of adjust our life to, and we can't just redefine reality based on our desires. Um, you, you know, how quickly that has gone to be be, uh, you know, an intolerant and intolerable belief. It, it, it is an amazing thing. And it really gets in the way of personal freedom. It gets in the way of, uh, you know, what people think is the good life. And so I think there's a lot more pain uh, to come from people who hold these sorts of, uh, uh, again, I hate to use the word traditional because it's obviously true that there are men and women. <laughs> obviously true that the relationship between men and women is procreative and others are not. But, you know, you're seeing this, too, in the state of Colorado. I, I do think we are uh, way ahead um, down this line on the sexuality issue uh, particularly. You know, we, we just had the presumed parentage bill pass last year uh, out of the, uh, the state house, which is, you know, basically saying that uh, two men or two women who hire a surrogate to have a child for them are just as much parents as biological parents would be when you go to the hospital. I mean, that's an amazing step, right? Uh, no oversight required, no interference required. There's no difference between, you know, the, the loving process by which a child is, is, is procreated and... John, we're know, up against a break here. We'll be right back. Yeah. We're talking to John Stone Street, president of the Colson Center. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> 